Hello and welcome to the Gua Sha Show, helping you get the best results out of Gua Sha and Eastern medicine for the face and the body. I'm your host, Clive Whittam, and every week we explore the world of Gua Sha to help you use and understand this great technique with research and stories and guests and useful tips. So let's get straight into this episode and let's have a look at where facial Gua Sha comes from. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Gua Sha Show. So today we're exploring the subject of facial Gua Sha and we're going to take a peek inside the history of Chinese cosmetology and traditional Chinese medicine to see what we can find and how we can use this information to improve what we do. So this is of course important because unless you can trace where something comes from and how it developed it's difficult to really understand it. And as soon as you take it out of the context in which it was created, you're changing it, whether you're aware of it or not. But that's okay. The history of Gua Sha is one of innovation in technique. But you've got to stand on firm roots when you do it. Your foundation has to be solid. So that's why we're going back in time today to show you what the foundation of Gua Sha should look like. So let's take a little stroll together. We're going to walk a little on the path of Chinese history and discover the fascinating world where facial Gua Sha comes from. So if you're ready, let's go. Well, our journey begins in an intriguing time. We're in the Qin and Han dynasties in ancient China. So this is in the years between 1770 BCE and 220 CE. So that means it's two millennia ago, 2,000 years ago. And this was known as the Spring Autumn and Warring State periods. And this was a time of great political, economic, ideological, scientific and cultural change. Well, actually, it's not that different from right now, is it? And it's when the development of Chinese medicine really took root and lay the foundations for ancient Chinese cosmetology. So what happened at this time in ancient China? Well, it's here where the first ideas of the relationship between the human body and, for example, the colours you find on your skin or how people's temperament, their age, health and qi and blood affect your body. Now, you might have come across maps with details about where you can see internal changes on the face, like uh, your, your lungs being in between your eyebrows. If you've seen those, then this is where it comes from. It comes from this time. You might have also come across images of lines meandering all over the body, which people call meridians or channels. It's from this time as well. This was the time of the classic text on Chinese medicine called the Huangdi Neijing, which compiled the ideas of the time and prior to that time into a consolidated form. And if you look at these texts, you see just how jaw-droppingly beautiful the ideas were. It wasn't just the yin and yang and modern TCM of what we come across today. It wasn't that subway map of points and you push this acupoint for this illness and you stick this point for that illness. 
Instead, it was a vibrant guide to life and the universe using the patterns of nature as its guiding principles. It also gave an approach to beauty which is based more on a flowering plant than the details of your face, which is how we want to approach facial washa if we stay true to its origins. Beauty is more about the potential that's within you. It's the seed which is nurtured and can bloom into a bright flower in everyone. It's not about whether you can change this feature or that feature. It's about your inner self shining through. In fact, that's the image of health, as health and beauty are indistinguishable. Anyway, there's more about that towards the end. But this doesn't mean that there weren't people obsessed with the details of the face even at that time. In different texts, they also came up with the idea of the vertical thirds and horizontal fifths rule of facial beauty. In order to create a standard perfect face by which all others can be judged, the face was divided into three equal horizontal sections. So from the hairline to the eyebrow, from the eyebrow to the bottom of the nose, and from the bottom of the nose to the chin. And then the width of the face was divided into five equal parts, each of these being the width of an eye. And if your features match this facial organization, then you are officially an image of beauty. So interestingly, the five eyes a facial positioning method is still part of aesthetics and a reference for the design of cosmetic surgery. So apart from the conceptual ideas of beauty, the face and the body, there were some practical steps being used on a cosmetic basis at this time the Shang Oracle Bone Inscriptions, which were actually written on bone and turtle shells, described applying sheep fat to prevent dry skin, and other classic texts described beauty prescriptions for removing warts, uh, acne and body odour, and also white silkworm, which improves your complexion. So during this period, techniques were developed such as acupuncture and bleeding, and you'll find people saying that gua sha comes from the ancient texts, and especially uh, the Huangdi Neijing text, because of the mention of a treatment with Bian stone. But this is a case of lost in translation, as they were referring to pointed stones that could be used to open big abscesses and let the pus flow out is not particularly nice. It wasn't referencing scraping like we, we know with gua sha. So gua sha wasn't of this time, although it's related to the ideas that have come from this time. So let's come forward a little bit and let's jump to the Wei Jin and Southern and Northern Dynasties. So that's coming forward to 220 to 589 CE. So this was a troubled and chaotic time with lots of books have been burnt and lots of knowledge have been destroyed and lots of the old techniques were either gone or have been reinterpreted. And this was the period of trying to piece it all back together, which they did with varying successes. And you can find references to face treatments at this time. One text on emergency prescriptions describes the treatment of acne, baldness, bad smells and ugliness with a facial cream, skin powder and fresh egg white mask. And facial scars were treated with a mask of boiled pig's feet and boiled deer horn glue. Okay, but let's skip on. 
let's pass all that chaos and come to a bit of peace and tranquility. Now the good times rolled in with the Sui Tung and Five Dynasties. This is 581 to 978 CE, so it's coming to about a thousand years ago. Now it was a politically stable, economically developed, culturally prosperous time, and they made paper and they printed books, and the status of women had improved greatly, and the need for beauty was valued by society. Basically, it was a perfect time for facial guasha. But alas, there was no facial guasha in this time. Uh, in the Tang Dynasty, guasha was alive and well, and it was documented as a treatment for diarrhea. The focus for beauty was on treating the face and treating it internally to make changes on the outside, which is the approach of Chinese medicine. And you'll see this approach all the way through the history of Chinese cosmetology. There was a great deal of interest in beauty. One pharmacology text by Sun Sun Yao had 35 volumes, including 97 facial beautifying formulas, nine bath bean formulas, three mouth fat formulas, three beautiful hand formulas, 10 deodorant formulas, nine prescriptions for hairdressing, four prescriptions for fragrant body, and 11 prescriptions for removing facial spots. There was also a focus on diet therapy to change the face, with, for example, soybeans and soybean sprouts, thought to be good at removing moles and dryness and moisturising the skin. And there was also theories about facial skin pigmentation, which they saw as caused by something called phlegm um, in internal organs, or the skin exposure to wind and environmental changes, which caused the blood inside to be unbalanced and causing dark freckles. So to find Gua Sha, let's come forward again, and this time let's come to the Song and Huan period. Now this is between 960 and 1368, so we're getting a bit closer to our times. And this brought a great age of diversity with book publishing and diversity in schools of thought and the introduction of foreign medicines and spices. And it's here that we find reference to something like Gua Sha on the face, and it was in the Northern Song Dynasty. Uh, which records show that they used jade rubbing to treat facial scars. So there we are, that was a, about a thousand years ago. And although it's not facial gua sha as you might know it now, it's a friction treatment on the face with a tool. So definitely at this time, a form of gua sha was in use and theories of something called sha syndrome were starting to take hold. Wei Yilin published World Medicine Effective Prescription around this time, and he discussed something called Sha Syndrome. And he gave an example of uh, stirring intestinal Sha, which was abdominal cramps and cold sweats and swelling of fullness. And you may not have thought about this, but the name itself gives you a great deal of information about Gua Sha. Gua has a scraping meaning, and Sha has its roots in this Sha syndrome. Now that time it had a character which meant sand lice invading the human body. It doesn't sound very nice, does it? Although the Chinese character used was changed later on. And one text tells us to scrape the skin with bamboo leaves to make the blood flow. And theories of Sha disease gradually developed based on the premise that there was a pathogen that needed to be cleared and dispersed from the body 
and this was combined with a scraping technique. Although initially this involved a hemp rope rubbing method which used water or sesame oil during the Huan dynasty. Now, as far as beauty treatment goes, the focus of the song on the Huan period was like before on taking beauty prescriptions internally and some externally. One Song Dynasty text contained more than 980 beauty prescriptions, including 10 for acne treatment, 20 prescriptions for eliminating scars, and the use of cow milk pills to nourish your internal organs and moisturise the body. The Huan Dynasty court physicians focused on hair conditioning, hair growth, facial beauty and tooth cleaning with chrysanthemum powder and charcoal ash. Now this was a long way from the world of Gua Sha, as you'll find out in a little bit. But let's move on. Let's come to the Ming and Qing dynasties which is 1368 to 1840. So we're coming very very close to us now. And this was a time of great innovation. There were many external cosmetic treatment methods for the treatment of hair and facial cleansing and expelling wind, moisturising and smoothing the face. And there was a publication of many, many books. One of them was the Compendium of Materia Medica in the Ming Dynasty. And that was published with 1,095 kinds of Chinese medicines, but 270 of these had cosmetic effects such as whitening, wrinkle removal, spot reduction, and deodorizing. But even at this pre-modern time, if you go searching for facial gua sha, you're going to be disappointed. In fact, if you go searching for gua sha in any sense, it's going to take you some time to find. So the question begs, why wasn't facial gua sha part of the dynastic court of these eras in Chinese medicine? And what's going on with gua sha? So at this time, the court physicians probably wouldn't have dreamt of using scraping. Gua sha wasn't something that was done, at least not in the civilised upper sections of Chinese society. Gua sha was actually busy fighting the plague. It was busy fighting cholera. It wasn't a nice, clean prescription that you can crush and mix and then place it on your face. It wasn't a refined herbal pill which fit perfectly in the lifestyle of the court. It was actually battling serious febrile diseases in the villages. And it was in 1675 an important text was published called Jade Standard for Sand Rashes and Swellings. And this featured scraping in detail, including using an arched hemp tool and willow branches on the back to treat typhoid fever and scraping areas on the back and the neck bones and on the chest, on the ribs and the shoulder and arm with copper coins dipped in sesame oil. And then other publications, especially 72 kinds of Shah disease treatment methods, which was published soon after and that provides a comprehensive and systematic description of the theory and operation of scraping therapy within this context of Shah disease. These had a very strong influence on the development of Gua Sha from then on. And although there have been sporadic publications, it wasn't really until much, much, much later, it wasn't until the 1980s, when a Taiwanese professor 
Lu Jiru created a scraping board suitable for various parts of the human body using water buffalo horn and promoted an adapted kind of gua sha therapy within Chinese medicine, heavily influencing all subsequent gua sha techniques and appliances and methods, including facial gua sha. And in China, Zhang Shujin was at the forefront of a revival of gua sha with a movement towards gua sha and facial gua sha um, soon after this in the 1990s. And the rest of the changes have been since then. So what can you take away from this? Well, we have the context of where facial gua sha comes from. It comes out of the ancient theories of natural science as developed within the Huangdi Neijing. It comes from the internal changes that are needed to make an external change on the skin or on the face. And it comes from an adapted technique to treat serious febrile disease. So when you use the tool, you're applying these ideas of treating the body and the face as one. If you sweep your face and you're not aware of how you're in fact treating the body too, then you're missing a piece of the world where Guasha comes from. The ancient Chinese didn't see the face as separate from the body. For them, your looks will be preserved via the body circulation system, which is a great deal more complicated than just blood in your blood vessels or the skin on your face. Well, that's all for this episode. If you've got my facial guasha book, you might be interested that there's now a video course to accompany it on the Komorebi Institute website. And as ever, feel free to find me on social media and say hi. All of the links are in the show notes on clivewitham.com. Thank you for listening to this podcast. You can check out the show notes at clivewitham.com slash show. You'll also find loads of free videos and information. And if you need more help with Guasha, definitely check out my online courses at the Komorebi Institute. I'll include the link in the show notes too. Talk to you soon.